0: That's indeed.com slash Blue Sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Before we get started with this awesome episode of Bench with Bubba, I just want to remind everybody Listener League Two is set up and ready to roll. There were questions, people wanting in another one. The first one's full. We're about halfway full with Listener League 2, looking for 12 to 15 total. We have about six or seven right now teams. uh, Roto format, similar to TGFBI, will vote on a couple of potential stat moves, but uh, we'll do a live draft online that works best for everybody involved. Also, the winner of the league gets a copy of the 2021 Fantasy Black Book and a guest spot, a guest hit on the Bench for Bubba podcast At season's end. So come check it out. All it takes is a rating and review on iTunes. Show me that you did it and you can, you're ready to rock and roll. Also, go check out the Fantasy Black Book 2020 edition, the 10th edition of the Baseball Black Book. I did catchers, relievers. There's tons of awesome stuff by Joe Pisapia and company. And right now they are doing a fantasy cares drive. Proceeds to, from all the books go to fantasy cares. So go check that out. Fantasy Black Book. They're partnering up with Justin Mason and the Friends of Fantasy Benefit Draft Guide. All proceeds go to fantasy cares. So check that out. Give a rating and review for the podcast on iTunes. Would much appreciate it. But now to Benfoot Bubba episode 251 with our good old buddy Draft Cheat doing Dreaming of Upside part two, round 16 for 30 and a 12 team. NFBC League. Hope you guys enjoy. And welcome back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 251. Going back and looking for some value in the drafts where we left off last week with Pete Christensen. You can find his work over at uh, I screw this up every time. I apologize, Guru Elite, and um, and uh, on Twitter at Draft Cheat Pete. How are we doing again, man?
2: I'm good. Uh, happy to be talking baseball again with you. Going over some uh, some high upside picks, kind of deeper in the draft. We did, of course. Uh, the pod with you uh, last week going over kind of the you know rounds first through one through 15 on the, on the early round picks uh, upside guys. And we'll do kind of the second half of the draft and, you know, we've got spring training going on Bubba. So it's mm-hmm. a, it's an exciting time. You know, I work from home, so I, I kind of find myself excited for these spring training games every day. And then like one or two innings into <laughs> them, I'm like, uh, man, I just want the real thing.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things I tell people, if you can go to spring training, I almost prefer it 100 times out of 100 over a regular season game because you're just chilling on the lawn throwing some beers back, doing whatever you want to do, leave early if you want and go play golf or have dinner, whatever you want to do. Like, it's the most chilled baseball environment you'll ever be to. It's really cool. Um, But, yeah, especially this time of year, maybe in a bat or two from your big guys and they're already out. Uh, I do enjoy it. I've talked about it for years now when I record I like having a game on TV, so like I have the Cubs game on where they're getting smoked by the Rockies right now. So that's always fun. But uh, yesterday, one of like the random cool games, Dodgers White Sox. You saw Vaughn out there. You saw Madrigal. You saw all their young guys playing together. That was pretty cool. So,
2: yeah, I think you know, spring training stats we know are not uh, very predictive of of regular season stats, you know, in aggregate. But that doesn't mean there aren't some things at least you can take from spring training. Uh, I watched some Joe Musgrove today. Who he's been a guy I've been high on these last couple of years. He needed, you know, a change in pitch mix, and it seems like under the new Pirates regime, maybe he's going to get that. Was working up in the zone, uh, and then you know, throwing kind of um, high, you know, curveballs that kind of mirrored uh, up in the zone fastball. So there are certain things that you can kind of glean from spring training, but overall, you know, you never really know what players are just trying to work on things, which players are trying to actually achieve results so you want to be at least a little bit cautious adjusting your ranks based on spring training results that's for sure
1: you have to navigate like you said the spring training results the beat reporters are great at times but they're also just as bored as the rest of us imagine having to write articles every day about the third string shortstop or something like that's that's gonna suck Um, so you have to look into that but you mentioned the velocity thing Jeff Zimmerman from Fangraphs He's got a couple of the mining the news piece every week kind of keeps you updated on pertinent roster moves to keep in mind. And then he also does the velocity changes and uh, like the Musgrove one will go on there. We saw Jose Barrios was going around 95 consistently yep. And that guy. You're, you as a twins guy probably saw that. And that kind of yep. gets your, that gets me interested a little bit like, okay, because I've always been a Barrios guy. So I, I love pitchers that throw a lot of innings because I figure if they can throw innings, they're going to you know get the counting stats and if they just kind of hone it in. All of a sudden, they put the ratios together one year, and, and whammy, we got something. Barrio seems like he's always close. That velocity can be tremendous. Little things like that. But, like, what what do you look for in spring? Because we kind of just beat around the bush about not um, kind of picking and choosing where you go. What do you kind of focus on? I know it's early, only like four games in, but what do you look at?
2: Yeah, I'm kind of mostly looking at mostly, I would say like kind of like later round players where, you know, players that maybe I've kind of been in on for the last couple of years and they've underachieved, at least according to what I thought they could do um, in the last couple of seasons. You know, maybe I've got an idea for uh, mostly pitchers, I would say, like a pitcher's pitch mix or a new pitch that they could introduce that would help them. And then I'm kind of looking to see if they're going to do that, uh, I, I would advise most people to get subscriptions to The Athletic. If you don't have them, my opinion, most of the best baseball writers are kind of working their respective beats for The Athletic. It's really cheap. I think it's 5 or $10 a month, something like that. It's
1: worth um, every dollar.
2: It is. And you can, I mean, whatever you're interested in, like, I I don't know, like, <laughs> at night, instead of like my normal reading, I'm, at this time of the year, I'm, I'm kind of reading as much as I can. Um, from each beat writer on each team, right? So, like, uh, news came out I think just yesterday that Clayton Kershaw visited Drive Line, the famous, uh, obviously, you know, uh, baseball lab. It does um, all the all the measurements, um, kind of getting people stronger. They've had good success uh, having pitchers gain velocity there. Clayton Kershaw visited them for the first time this offseason. Kenley Jansen. Alex Wood, we're also there. Wood, Alex Wood, who signed back with the Dodgers, was up a couple ticks on his fastball velocity, something drive Line is known for. So, you know, there are some things to be found. For sure, you got to be careful. Again, I would caution against going overboard on that type of news. And you have to remember, like you said, these beat writers, they have to write about something. And if a player doesn't have anything positive to say about them over an offseason of what they were working on, that's probably not a good sign. So I would express <laughs> caution, but I do think, you know, if you are able to kind of read between the lines, I do think you can gain at least some valuable information there.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, like you said, the athletic, I can't second that enough. I've been a member almost from the beginning and I really don't care. T- I, I like other sports, but I don't read up on them. I'll read baseball stuff all day. And ever since they brought fantasy over, they almost do half the work for me. They like, they, they have their, beat reporters like give information to their fantasy guys and they put it together for you. like, it's, it's a good setup, really good stuff. So I highly recommend that there's been some like random recent news here and there kind of got to sift through it and, and see what really matters. But the big one that dropped on Tuesday about a couple hours ago, Brian Cashman of the Yankees came out and said, Luis Severino going to need TJ. It was work. I was worrisome last week. I talked to some other guys when you mentioned forearms, that's Tommy John. It concerned me when it's been bothering him since last November, October in the playoffs. That's really concerning to me more than anything. And now the news comes down, Tommy John, done for the year. Most Yeah, done for the year. Uh, you already have Montgomery probably pitching. You got um, Loisiga as an option. What are you thinking with New York right now?
2: Yeah, kind of in trouble. I'm wondering if, uh, if Boston is regretting trading Mookie Betts now because obviously New York a little bit weaker coming into the season. You got the Aaron Judge kind of shoulder injury. That's a little bit concerning, too. Um, So, yeah, Severino done for the year. I haven't drafted any of him so far. I've been fortunate with that. This wasn't really a guy I was on at all uh, coming off basically a lost season last year. So um, we'll see how they adjust. They do have uh, Domingo Herman coming back from the domestic violence suspension. I believe he's going to miss the first, I think it's roughly 60 games. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's a little bit interesting. I've grabbed him in some draft and holds a really good pitcher. And now, especially with Severino out, I think his rotation spot is, I think he would have got it anyway, but at this point, I think it's basically guaranteed he's going to get it after the 60 game. So he missed, you know, the, the first couple of months. <laughs> that time will go by quickly, and you'll be glad you have him if you're able to hold on to him for that amount of time. So I think he's even in play now, you know, in, in 12 teamers. So yeah, he, he's interesting. And uh, yeah, uh, the Yankees Red Sox thing will be fun to watch going forward.
1: Yeah, no, it, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. Now, yeah, I, I like the part you mentioned, to do the Red Sox, to- you know, are they mad that Mookie Betts they traded him because they pretty much started through in the towel with that move. And now, um, with this Yankees, you know, I'm looking at their roster resource, Garrett Cole, Tanaka, Hap, Montgomery, Lois, Little Lo, Lo, Johnny Lasagna basically. That's their starting five. The Herman calls very good. and uh, drafted holds, I think that's a great move to to do something along those lines. It'll be interesting to see where they keep going with that, because you know, losing Paxton, now losing Severino. I see this is where reports in spring could be interesting. They're, they're already saying Paxton's ahead of schedule. I'm yeah, sorry. We'll a back, about
2: that.
1: <laughs> yeah, a back injury. I'm going to still stay away from that situation. How high is too high to draft James Paxton for you?
2: Uh, I don't know. I I haven't done any drafts, I don't think, in the last week or so. So uh, I haven't really seen where he's been going. I guess we could look him up here in uh, recent online championships over the last week or so. Yeah, he's been going around right around pick 200, I think too high for me. Um mm-hmm. especially if you're taking you know, I I think I would rather take take like what when's Domingo Armand going off the board? I pick uh no quick like he's going at, look at Domingo Santana there. Domingo Armand is pick 350. Mm-hmm. I would guess maybe they are back around the same time. Um and I don't think the talent level level's that different. So I'll take the flyer, I guess, on the guy going 150 picks later still. Uh, pick 200, I think, too high for me with with James Paxton even at this point.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's just tough. Those back injuries are nasty. I just don't know how you can be back that soon. We already know he battles issues all the time. He's already coming into the season with an injury. Really don't like that idea. But uh, originally, I thought they'd take it easy with him because they had this slew of sure. options, and now that's going away pretty quickly. So I still think they'll be okay because the Red Sox are going to be down, the Orioles, Orioles. The Rays, you know, they'd be the biggest winners out of this. They might not have to play in a wild card game for the first time. Not saying they're going to the division, but it looks a lot better now. They have a chance. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. If anything, hey, here's your token. it will get Yancey Eaton excited for the Rays' season. But um, let's get into this uh, value situation. It's fun. I actually pulled out the piece of paper from the last podcast. I wrote them all down before we had. I won't read them off to everybody because we'll be here all day. But it was fun seeing the different value guys. And and like Peter was saying – we are going to go round by round 12 team leagues. We're going to start around 16, going to round 30. This will be 181 to 192, that section of ADP from February 14th, NFPC online. And we're both going to pick a guy, sometimes it'll be the same one, where we think they can definitely outperform this value and really help your team out in a big way. The way we compared it with DFS standpoints, this is like your GPP guy. It takes you to the next level and uh, could be a make or break type player. So in this next range, Wilson Ramos, Carlos Martinez, Sean Doolittle, Justin Turner, Jay Cotarizzi, Joe Jimenez, Kevin Newman, Keona Kella, Luke Weaver, Ryan McMahon, Giovanni Gallegos, and Hunter Dozier. There's a couple guys I like here. Who is your target in this range, Pete?
2: It's kind of interesting range where you're looking at kind of uh, either speculative closers or closers that have the job on bad teams, right? So you've got, mm-hmm. uh, like, I, I would say Sean Doolittle, Carlos Martinez and Gallegos are all kind of the speculative closer options. Um, for the Cardinals, we don't know if it's going to be a Gallegos, if it's going to be Carlos Martinez, if it's going to be neither of those two guys. You've got Joe Jimenez for the Tigers, who I think more or less has that job on lockdown. I think he's a better pitcher than people give him credit for, but the team context is obviously pretty awful there. Kiona Kella, I think, is a, a solid pitcher, but again, pitching for Pittsburgh, not ideal. Um so an interesting range here. The guy I chose as the most upside is actually Giovanni Gallegos. I think he's got a lot of risk here because we don't know if he's going to be the closer for sure. But I do think the Cardinals will go with, you know, one closer. Like they, we saw that last year uh, with, with Hicks and then with Carlos Martinez down the stretch. And I, for my money, I, I do think it is going to be Gallegos. Again, not a sure thing. Uh, but I do think Carlos Martinez will move to the rotation. I do think it will be Gallegos uh in the ninth inning for the Cardinals and he was fantastic last year uh, a lot of the you know advanced metrics for Gallegos were just off the charts one of my highest rated skilled relievers from 2019 you know pitching for a pretty good team and a good park and a not a great division like I could see a monster season for Gallegos the, the risk obviously is that he doesn't get that closer role and at that point he become more or less worthless, right? You'd probably drop him uh, very early on in the season if he doesn't have the role. So he's the guy you could roll the dice with. I think he could return a massive uh, value to you, you know, here in the 16th round if you're willing to take the risk on him.
1: And it, it, like you said, it's a massive risk, but we're, we're talking back half of your draft now. We're talking a 12-team league. where you are going to find more churning and burning on the waiver wire than a 15-team league. So uh, the chances you, – you can take more chances, I feel like, in leagues like this. And it is interesting, you mentioned, because like Keona Kella, I think can be really, really interesting. And he should get the job out the gate. Kyle Crick's always there. They might trade Kella, you never know. Um, I do like Gagos a bunch. I think he might have the best stuff out of the group. I'm with you 100% there. sure he
3: does, yeah.
1: You just never know what that uh, Cardinals team's going to do. In reality, I've always been a hater on Carlos Martinez because his arm never stays together. So in reality, a closer situation is the best job for him. Like he should just be in the back of the bullpen, but they always want to start him. Uh, Do it a link seems worn down. So I'm with you. I, I think Gallegos is, is a really intriguing one, a real make or break one in this range. You went with the fun upside guy. I'm going to go with the boring veteran guy here. And I know he might not have like first round value, but I, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, seventh, eighth round value once things are all said and done. And drafting him in the 16th round is Justin Turner for me. This is a guy that is never flashy at all. But if you're looking for back and average help, he does it time and time again. 290 last year, 312 the year before, 322 the year before that. 275, 294. The dude rakes consistently. 21 or more home runs in three or four seasons. He uh OBP wise is outstanding. A walk rate of twelve point seven or higher in five of the last six seasons, a three seventy-two OBP last year, you know, a two nineteen ISO. He's out over a two hundred ISO for four straight years. His uh WRC plus has been outstanding. Everything you want from the guy is really, really good. He's just quiet because he's boring. He's gonna put a stent on the DL. That's what he's gonna do. 135 games last year. He had a really bad year in 18 with a 130, 151. You just got to expect you know, 130 to 140 games of elite batting average production, 20-plus homers, and if he can somehow string it together, maybe even a, a you know 150 games and you're golden. The barrel rate's always been there. The hard hit rate up to 43% last year. It's been as low as 37, so not great, but still not bad at all in the grand scheme of things. And He's going to be in that Dodgers lineup, which is not going to suck. It's going to be a very good lineup, putting up a lot of runs, so it's not a sexy move at all. Um, it could be a corner infield play for you, or if for some reason you missed the third base position because you're going somewhere else, Justin Turner's not a bad guy. And if you already know he's going to miss time, you can gamble on a another third baseman somewhere else in your draft. And, you know, you mix and match and play that game with them throughout the season. But he'll be my guy in round 16.
2: Yeah, I love Justin Turner. And if if, if this was, you know, a different show, like we're talking upside here, if we're talking just, which guys am I most likely to draft? Who do I have the most shares of in this range? My answer would have been Justin Turner. I've got a ton of him already. Like you mentioned, just a, I mean, he's just a fantastic hitter. Like he still is mm-hmm. up in age, but he's not really showing many. I think the strikeout rate was up a little bit, but for the most part, uh, maintaining uh, his great ability, he going to hit, you know, right in the middle. I, I don't know exactly where it doesn't really matter in that Dodgers lineup. Um, I guess kind of the upside with him is, you know, maybe he puts together a, a fully healthy season. Like, I, I know he hasn't, and there's a long track record of that, but I don't think there's any reason he couldn't, right? I know he hasn't, but I don't think there's a reason he couldn't. I think a couple of his injuries, at least, were due to hit-by pitches, which I think he gets hit by the most pitches of anyone in baseball. So that is kind of a, a weird thing you got to look out for. But, you know, if he put together 150 games, he'd put up some some huge numbers. So, yeah, I like the Justin Turner call.
1: So are you saying we should start prorating Astros players to Justin Turner's numbers? <laughs>
2: yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> like Turner, effect for,
1: uh, for and L2. I like it. There we go. All right, go to round 15 here. Uh, Brian Reynolds, Omar Narvaez, Mark Melanson, Luke Voigt, James Paxton. I'm pretty sure we'll both cross off for that one. Uh, Carson Kelly, Fulton Nevich, Christian Vasquez, Andrew Heaney, Paul DeYoung, Christian Walker, and D.V. Gregorius. Some veterans and some youngsters here. What's your main target in this range?
2: Yeah, not the uh, highest upside guys here, I got to (laughs) say. If I had had to choose one for upside, I think I would go Luke Voigt. I was pretty in on him last year for the Yankees. He was was pretty awesome for the first half of the year. Hits the ball super hard. uh, Then dealt with oblique injury uh, for a lot of the second half of the year. Kind of cooled off, missed some time. Um, But, you know, while he – is healthy. I do think he'll be more or less the Yankees everyday first baseman. You could see some Mike Ford in there, but not sure. And, you know, even an injury to judge or Stanton, and all of a sudden you're looking at Voight getting more time at DH at that point. So I think Voight has a path to playing, you know, 150 plus games for the Yankees likely hitting, you know, fifth, I think a lot of the time for that lineup, depending on who's healthy. Uh, He's a slugger. You look at like the barrel rate, hard contact stuff, for, for Luke Voigt, and, and and he's great and can go to all fields in Yankee Stadium. So, yeah, I'll go Luke Voigt with the upside play in around, uh, what, 17 here. 17.
1: Yeah, I, I like Voigt a lot. The power's legit. He was hurt last year, so that
2: uh, drained on him a
1: bit. But uh, he won't be held into any any region of that stadium, like you said. So, Voigt, no issues with that at all. I'll be going for another first baseman in Christian Walker. Sure. I like him a lot with the Arizona Diamondbacks. An improved Diamondbacks lineup. That should help him even more. In his first full season, 152 games, hit 29 homers, drove in 73, scored 86, hit 259, which for him, that's about what you're going to expect. But the part I like the most is he even stole eight bags. If he can throw in, you know, eight to 10 stolen bases to go with maybe 30 home runs, if, if things start to go right, I think there's a, a big, big upside with Christian Walker at this point. First base is that position where there's some really good top-end talent and it kind of just drops off. I found myself, if I missed the, the run up top, I'll wait on a, on a Christian Walker. He's kind of a poor man's Matt Olson to me. Like, I love Matt Olson. Matt Olson's got, like, 40 home run power. I think Walker's just below him, but the average is going to be similar. The overall production, depending on uh, on you uh, maybe you know five to ten RBIs each direction, is going to be very, very similar to Matt Olson. So I think Christian Walker with the 46% hard hit rate and that 13% barrel rate could have another really nice season in Arizona, and he would be my guy
2: in this very similar players right Voight yeah. and Walker first baseman with some power some swing and miss both have some playing time concerns right they could be platoon mm-hmm. both have some some other first baseman kind of breathing down their neck like at first base you know if you're not performing um, these guys could, could lose their jobs relatively quickly I do like I guess I went Voight over Walker because of the additional chance to play DH right I think that's yes. a a little edge to Void. I, I would agree maybe Walker has a little bit more upside, though, but yeah, two guys, if you miss out on a bunch of first baseman early on, I think mm. these are two guys to take a gamble on in this range.
1: Yeah, if there wasn't the planes I'm concern with these two, because you mentioned Void and the guys, the Yankees just have a slew of options. With Walker, you have Beers, who they traded for, you got Krohn sitting yep. around, so, and even Jake Lamb, unfortunately. Yep. If these guys weren't there, they'd be going three, four, five rounds higher, probably. I, I'm least- not saying they're like they're elite, but that playing time is the, the reason they're downing. So, yeah,
2: they will have to hit to stay in the lineup. I think we can say that.
1: No doubt about that. Uh, heading to round 18, Gene Segura, Adam Eaton, Brandon uh, Lau, Jose Urquidy. I think that's who you're going to pick. Uh, Sean Murphy, Marcus Stroman, Andrew McCutcheon, Colton Wong, Joe Musgrove, Griffin Canning, Jorge Alfaro, and Joe Adele, who we've been told is not ready for the bigs, folks. He's going to start A because that's baseball. Um, what do you like in round 18?
2: Oh, man, I like a lot here, and this is one of the reasons why uh, why I do try to wait on pitching because we get down to this range, and you guys will see that over these next uh, 12 or so rounds. There's a lot of pitchers who I think have upside down here, three of them in this round. Jose Urquidy, who looks like he is, I would say, unless things go, you know, very wrong in some unforeseen way, I do think he will start the year as the Astros' number four starter. Joe Musgrove. uh, Again, we talked about him right at the top of the show. Looks like he's going to have some interesting changes with the new pirates uh, coaching staff, which I think could really help him. I've always been a huge fan of his stuff, good stuff and good command. He just has not mixed his pitches properly. And also, yeah, just kind of a, a poor approach from him in Pittsburgh, but I think that could change this year. And then Griffin Canning. I love him too. So Pitcher uh, for, sure for the Angels looked good at times last year, kind of wore out toward the end of the year. They shut him down, but I think he'll be a full go uh, to start the year for the Angels. So, man, I love all three of these guys. I think the most upside for me is probably Urquidy, uh, the best team environment uh, with the Astros, obviously. And some of his numbers for AAA last year, even in a, a hitters environment, were just outstanding. So, I'll go. Urquidy, Canning, Musgrove in this range, but these are three guys that I want in auctions. There's a good chance I'll end up with all three of these guys for you know two, three, four bucks.
1: Yeah, I don't hate any of those pitchers. Like this range, I could draft a lot of my team just out of this round. In I like Alfaro Hor- me-
2: too as a catcher too, but I got, yeah. I got to leave him off with my three of my three of my pitchers there.
1: Yeah, Alfaro is a great later round catcher, uh, sneaky, sneaky good. Those pitchers are phenomenal. You know, Colton Wong's. Uh, I'm always torn on him, but he's going to run. That's one thing you're going to get at that time of the draft. Adam Eaton's one of those forgotten outfielders that's boring, but it's going to be hitting a – well, we'll see with the way they're changing the lineup around. Should still be hitting second, though, if Turner goes to third, Robles goes to first. That'll be a productive spot in the order. Gene Segura might get third base, second base, or both eligibility, and maybe he bounces back. There's a lot of interesting ways to go about it here. I don't disagree with any of them. I'm going to just pick mine, and it's going to be Sean Murphy. If we're going major upside catcher for the yep. Oakland A's, uh, 10 home runs in 31 games in a last year, hit four home runs in 20 games with the A's last year. I uh, hit 245 uh, with the A's, 308 in AAA. He's, uh His average kind of fluctuated depending on his stops in the minors, but projection sites, they're thinking around 250. The projections are only giving him 97 games. I think he's going to get probably 130. He's going to be the guy in Oakland. From everything I read and hear, he's the catcher in Oakland unless he really screws up. So, Barring a, a catastrophe, we're thinking maybe 130 games. I'm thinking a total upside here. And that'll probably lead him into close to 20 home runs, which in this round of the draft would be really, really, really awesome. And the counting stats would be there in a big way. So I'm going to go Sean Murphy. I like the Alfaro call. I've been taking him a lot of places. I guess if I – I think Murphy, if we're going for major upside, I'd have over Alfaro. But the thing with Alfaro is you know he's the starter. He should play 140 to 150 games. There's really nothing stopping him where Murphy's going to still have a few maybe roadblocks if things don't go perfectly correct. But I'll go Sean Murphy with my guy.
2: Yeah. One, one problem I've been uh, slightly coming off of El Faro. He's been hitting eighth pretty much every day in that uh, Miami Marlins lineup. You know, it's only been what, three, four, five days of spring training. It's still sport.
1: concerning though.
2: It is. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that's, that's what the less than full strength lineup that they've been rolling out there. Mm-hmm. So It does appear that, at least for now, their plan is to hit Jorge Alfaro eighth, which I think is a a mistake by them. But if that's going to be the case, uh, you got to downgrade him at least a little bit, because I would have penciled him in for no lower than seventh, Mm -hmm. maybe up to fifth or sixth, based on their lineup coming into the year.
1: He was hitting fifth or sixth a lot last year, so that's really surprising, Donny, baseball. But, we'll see. We'll eighth.
2: All, but for now it's concerning for sure
1: yeah keep an eye on it because you know usually like you said with the, without all the starters there you kind of move those guys up heck yep. mike zunino was batting second today for the race exactly. so i just want to that bats and get him out that's if anybody should bat eighth it should be mike zunino but um let's go to round 19 now we got Nick zell abby garcia joe Casey aj puck masahiro tanaka justin upton mitch keller jock peterson brian anderson Ruby odore dustin may and caleb smith There's a lot. This is, again, these last few rounds is why you can wait on pitching. That's for darn sure. Um, What do you like in this range?
2: Yeah, another bunch of interesting guys. And, you know, just to kind of go back over it, like the reason I think this is a a useful exercise to do, like you get to this point in the draft, you know, we're basically at pick, what, 218 to 229, something like that here in round 19. At this point, you know, at least in a twelve teamer, like none of these guys can really hurt you. If they don't pan out, you can drop them. You can pick someone up off the waiver wire. So you really are swinging for home runs at this point. And I do think there are several in this range that could get there for you. Um, tough call for me. It would have two weeks ago. It would have been Dustin May, but it looks like yeah, at this like at this point sucked. Yeah, I don't think he's going to start in the rotation. I've got him on at least a couple of online championships already. Uh, assuming he indeed does start in the minor leagues, honestly, probably someone I will cut before opening day. Um, Cause I just don't know how long he's going to be down. And uh, yeah, we'll just kind of have to move on from him, unfortunately. Um, so not him anymore. I will go with Sale Garcia. Um, the one concern with him moving to Milwaukee, he's a guy who hits the ball very hard. You'll get exit velocities, barrels, uh, even speed, I think he's in the 90th percentile yeah. of sprint speed. Evisel Garcia is. Now he's going to go to Milwaukee, by far the best ballpark of his career. We don't know for sure about the playing time with Garcia. Looks like for now he's going to kind of split time with Ryan Braun, which is a little bit weird considering that both guys swing from the right side. But we could see Braun play some at first base as well. And obviously, you know, we've got a month to go. Like someone could get hurt in that Brewers outfield. Lorenzo Kane, Christian Yelich both have – at least somewhat questionable injury histories there. So, yeah, Aviso Garcia, I think, has a chance for like a, I mean, a a 30 home run, 15 steal season is dreaming on upside. But, hey, that's the Mm -hmm. title of these podcasts. I think he's capable of it if he got the playing time.
1: I have been an Apostle Garcia fan for years because the talent, well, you probably remember back, they compared him to Little Miggy because he looked like Little Miggy on the Tigers. And we've seen him with playing time be that guy. And you mentioned the sneaky good thing about him is that speed. He's actually for a big boy, the boy can can boogie, which is good to see. So I, I love that call. The biggest question, like you said, is playing time. I think Braun spends a lot more time at first base than people think. I know Justin Smokes there. But I think in the end of it, they're going to want Abby and Bronze batting the lineup more consistently. As much as I like Smoke, he's got a big hole in the swing, too. So we'll have to, we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, my guy, again, lots of good options in this range. It's kind of a popular one, but it's hard for me not to like it. It's Mitch Keller. I'm a huge fan of what this guy did. I know his, his little stint in the bigs wasn't ideal, but his late-in-the-year adjustments he made, his pitch mix chains, I believe he's developing a curveball. This uh this spring and the off season, that's something to monitor as well. When you look at his big stats, it's scary a seven one three ERA in forty eight innings last year for the three four seven x fit. That's promising in one hundred and three AAA innings, three five six ERA, three eight seven x and he still struck out a ton over his times between AAA and the bigs. Um, I've, I've been using Alex Chamberlain's pitch leaderboard thing a lot because I think there's a lot of interesting x stats and everything involved there. We look at Mitch Keller last year, just in his big league time, a 531 will bake him, but a 411 X will bake him. So there's a big drop off in production there. Strikeout rate should have been closer to percent, not 28. Uh, his barrel rate should have been closer to five and a half, not seven and a half. There's a lot of things pointing in the good direction for Mitch Keller. Once a highly heralded prospect, we saw the changes Musgrove made. Hopefully Keller can make it with this new staff. I think he can definitely be like an SP2 or 3 on your team. You're drafting him as an SP5, 6, or 7, depending on how you draft your team. I think there's a lot to like with Mitch Keller, and he'd be my guy in round 19.
2: Love the call, and uh kind of goes back to what I said about Musgrove in that previous round or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's some upside with these Pirates pitchers. A lot of good stuff. Musgrove, Keller, and then um, maybe we'll get there eventually, but Chris Archer, another guy, I yep. think at least has the ability to – greatly exceed uh the production that you're get that you're you know you would expect from his draft position so uh keep an eye on these Pittsburgh pitchers early on in spring training I think a bunch of these guys could be good values come draft day
1: no doubt about it let's head to round 20 Francisco Mejia, Nick Madrigal, Alex Verdugo, Michael Chavis, Yadi Molina, Tom Murphy, Austin Hayes, Aristus Aquino, Gio Urshela, Travis DeArnaud, John Birdie, and Nomar Mazzara Heck, half of this round seems like they're catchers. This is an interesting grouping here. Which one uh, gets your attention?
2: Yeah, easy one for me here. Nick Madrigal for the White (laughs) Sox. Uh, Again, another, another, I guess, somewhat risky pick, mostly, I think, due to uh, playing time concerns. We don't know for sure if he's going to break camp with the big club, uh, given, you know, possible service time manipulations. We don't even know for sure if he's ready to... uh, to to be a a big league hitter at this point, but I personally think he is. I think he was the fourth pick going off the top of my head in either 2017 or 2018. I think it might've been 2018. Um, But some crazy plate discipline numbers from magic roll, like truly, truly historic minor league plate discipline numbers from this guy. Um, I I tweeted this out a week or two ago, uh, but basically if you look at all players who saw 300-plus plate appearances uh, last year in either AA or AAA, or you know you combine the two kind of upper minor league levels, uh, he had a 2.3 uh, walk-to-strikeout ratio. So a decent amount of walks, but it's really the, the low strikeouts that kind of propelled him there. I think the next highest was like 1.2, and there was a bigger difference between Magical and the second-place guy in between the second place guy and the 50th place guy like he's just lapping the field in that category uh, a couple days ago I went back and did like I think fangraphs leaderboards in that stat go back to 2006 um so last 14 years he's by far ahead still in that metric other guys uh up there on that leaderboard guys like Alex Bregman Dustin Padroya. Um, some other kind of like smaller middle infielder types who their powers in question, but you know, at their peak, they're going to be a uh, good play one guy, high averages, decent power, good speed. I think, I think Madrigal's upside is basically uh, like a 300 hitter with 25 to 30 steals. Um, I could see him making his way to the leadoff spot in the Chicago lineup. I don't think they have necessarily like a, an obvious option for that so again um not saying for sure that any of that is going to happen but it definitely could and you know if magical hits 300 with 25 steals he's gonna be a huge steal at pick what 235
1: he's a great call i I like him a lot he's one of those uh, i know when you drafted one of your i think it was one of your ocs last week it was right after our first podcast and you said you know you take one or two chances not many that draft, I think you had Madrigal, Senzel, Joe Adele. Like you went full on. I'm going all upside here. Right. And, and I know, I know, fun, I know Adele, probably
2: going to be cut early on. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's fun to see. And um, I agree Madrigal has that ability, which we're talking about, in this section of the draft to make a big difference. I love the Madrigal call. The other guy in this range that I like quite a bit, and he looks like uh, he's projected about six for the Orioles going into the season, is Austin Hayes. Uh, what I really like about it at pick uh, 235 right now, you have a guy with 2010 upside, maybe 25-15 upside. Uh, he hit 309 in 21 games with the the Orioles last year, but project like a 260 to 270. I think it's something more realistic if he's really performing at his, his A game, but most importantly, especially playing in Camden Yards, 20-plus homers, 10-plus uh, stolen bases, you know, most projection sites, ATC has 123 games. That's the highest amount of games. He's got it for 20 homers and eight stolen bases. So let's just say 145 games, tack on another four or five homers, maybe number three, four stolen bases. Who knows? I don't, probably not 4 i it'd be half his games. But two or three stolen bases, we're talking 25-10. And that can be awesome. Really, really good production at this point in the draft. Be like your fifth outfielder in a five outfielder league. Uh, he hits the ball very, very hard. We've seen that through the, through the minors and even last year in that small stint. A forty-two percent hard hit rate. Super small sample, but still very uh, exciting to see. As he's been a high a high prospect for them, and might finally get that run. So Austin Hayes would be my guy after Nick Madrigal in this area. I
2: like, I like that call a lot. And actually, um, just paying too much attention to these spring training games early on, uh, they've been hitting Austin Hayes. I think lead off every single time he's been in the lineup. Probably, probably all three times. So that that would be cool with Hayes. And you know, the Orioles obviously really nothing to play for outside of times kind of seeing what they've got going forward. Uh, If Austin Hayes is playing well, if he's hitting, he's going to be in the lineup, in my opinion, every single day. uh, So long as he's healthy, which is an added bonus, of course.
1: Yeah. They're going to be one of those teams. Like you mentioned the pirates pitching staff, the Orioles bats. If you just want to take some gambles late, like, you know, Trey Mancini doesn't go late, but like Anthony Santander, Santander has a ton of power, like ridiculous power. If he can hone it in, uh, you got some like Hanson Alberto, just a middle infield kind of rangy guy. There's some interesting things, if anything, for DFS. They're fun and cheap to stack. I'll tell you that much. Um, let's go to round 21 now. Adrian Hauser, David Peralta, Luis Arias, Dylan Bundy, Sandy Alcantara, Mark Connor, Sam Hilliard, CJ Cron, Eric Hosmer, Shin chu Chu, Hunter Renfro, Similar to a couple rounds ago, there is a bunch of guys I like in this range.
2: I actually have a lot of these guys,
1: so I'm a, I'm a big fan of this area. Who stands out to you?
2: Yeah, another bunch of guys I like. Uh, we've done we've done too much research on fantasy baseball. <laughs> Pretty <before>. much. <laughs> We're ready for these big drafts to start. We're ready for the season to start because there are so many guys I like in every range. I've got to narrow it down to one here. Uh, I'm going to go CJ Crone. I think. Um so he played last year for the Twins, had a monster first half, and then uh, was dealing with injury for most of the second half. Again, I'm a, I'm a Twins fan, so I followed them uh, the most closely of, of, of any MLB team. That really slowed him down at-bats-wise and even production-wise. But if you look at what this guy can do with when he's healthy, I mean, he hits the ball extremely hard, barrel rate, hard hit rate, all that stuff, uh, fly ball rate uh, is extremely high for C.J. Crone. going to be the everyday first baseman for the Tigers. He's another guy, you know, if you told me at the end of the year, he's going to have 157 games played and 640 played appearances. And like literally all of them are hitting third, fourth, or fifth. I would believe it. I think that's mm-hmm. possible for CJ Krohn. And in that scenario, I could see him hitting 30 plus home runs, um, being kind of a key cog there in that Detroit lineup. Obviously not the best lineup in the world, but uh, yeah, I think CJ Krohn, Definitely has some upside, uh, so he would be the guy, but I also like Mark Canna, Dylan Bundy in this range quite a bit as well in terms of looking at upside.
1: Yeah, for the listeners of this show that have listened long enough, they know I love CJ Cron. Like, I, I wasn't going to break him down here. I, I wrote about him at a Baller last week. I just I love this man to no end. except he's on a different team every year. It blows my mind. But um, I think in Detroit he'll be just fine. The, as hard as he hits the ball and the way he pulls the ball – you can hit a ton of home runs in Detroit if you pull the base. Yeah. So no problem at all with that. People are blowing that way too out of proportion. So I'm with you there. I love Mark as well. I think Sandy Alcantara and Dylan Bundy are very good values. Everyone always poo-poos on Shin Chu Chu. I think he's just like solid production yeah. all day long. My guy, though, this is another one of those. The Rockies got to get the hell out of their own way. But Sam Hilliard. Yeah. like This guy could be so good. Like right now he's predicted to hit seventh and platoon with Ian Desmond. And the scary part is I could see the Rockies being dumb enough to do that. But if they just gave this guy rain, just like if they gave McMahon and Hampson Reigns, this guy's so good. In the, and it's similar to Austin Hayes, but even better, this guy can run for days. And we've seen it every year uh, in the minors, 12 stolen bases, 30, 37, 23. And then last year, 24 combined in the minors and the bigs. He hits for a really solid average. He's got 20 plus home run power um somehow zips has him projected for 141 games but everyone else is a lot lower and in 141 games 22 homers and 22 steals and i don't think that's out of the realm of possibility if he plays every day and it's just that kind of upside at this point in the draft i'm a huge fan of power speed combo really good average biggest problem playing time in colorado but he'd be my guy if uh, all things go go right i, I love me some sam hilliard
2: yeah. I don't mind that call. I'm you know, a little bit worried about the playing time to start off, but not question the skills, not question the upside. Um, I could see him being a guy that, you know, whoever drafts him kind of ends up dropping him somewhat early. Mm-hmm. Maybe he goes back down to the minor leagues. Maybe there's an injury or two to the Colorado outfield and he comes up and goes like for like, you know, like 40 or 50% of fab budgets, something like that. Mm-hmm. I could see that being a, a path for Sam Hilliard, but Again, you know, it's it's early on in spring. A lot can happen between now and the month before opening day, and it's a good time to take gambles so on guys like that. That If they pan out, they're going to be awesome difference makers for you.
1: And we know there's a good chance David Dahl gets hurt, so we we can get some Sam Hilliard time. If not, hopefully Sam Hilliard gets called up when Joe Adele does and everyone forgets about him. It be perfect. Yep. Uh, um, all right, let's go to round 22 now. Picks 253 to 264. Uh, we got uh, John Gray, Ryan Yarbrough, Garrett Richards, Aaron Savali, Dansby Swanson, Shogo Akiyama, Miguel Andohar, Josh James, Chris Archer, Yanni Chirinos, Scott Oberg, and Anthony D. Sclafani. A couple that really stand out here, Peter. Who are you looking at?
2: Man, I could make a case for almost everybody <laughs> in this round as being the high upside guy. The guys that I actually have the the most of on my team so far here, just to get that out of the way, are John Gray, who I'm a believer in. I'm um, not as scared of Cougars Field as most people, probably foolishly so. His,
1: his home road splits are actually okay, which is yeah. crazy.
2: We talked about him either last pod or the pod before. I can't remember exactly, but he's a guy I like for sure. Uh, also, Dansby Swanson, if you miss out mm-hmm. on shortstops early. Uh, again, I, I do like the early shortstops. But if you miss, um, just know that Dansby Swanson sitting down here for you at round 22. Going to play every day for the Braves a lot of interesting metrics for him, barrel rates. He can, he can steal. Um, He kind of slowed down in the second half again, due to injury, but I could see a a solid season coming for Dan's Swanson. so those are two kind of, I I guess, safer plays that you could look at in this range. Uh, The upside guy for me kind of has to be Josh James um, who fighting for that fifth spot on the Astros rotation. Uh, He was, you know, kind of in the mix last year, but got, Hurt in spring training, they, they transitioned him to the bullpen where he had a monster strikeout rate. Did struggle with the walk rate a little bit. Um, had an overall solid season, not spectacular. But now uh, I would expect, unless things go wrong, him that he will win that fifth starter job for the Astros, which is certainly a valuable spot to win. Uh, you know, We're talking 97, 98 mile per hour uh, uh, fastball here, good secondary stuff. And apparently a, a revamped delivery over the off season. Uh, which I'm interested to see and watch him pitch. So, I mean, Josh James for me has, I I don't know, SP2, SP3 upside. Uh, As crazy as that may seem to, to, as crazy as that may sound to say, I do think he's got that level of performance in him. I do think he's that talented. So this is a range where I really do like a bunch of these guys. But if you you made me choose one guy who can get you SP2 upside, Josh James would be the guy I would pick.
1: yeah I love the Josh James call. It's definitely with with the uh changes in that rotation that looks like he's gonna slide into a spot there It's outstanding. I was all in on him last year. I drafted him like the night before he got hurt. That was amazing, so much fun. but uh, <laughs> I believe the stuff the stuff is legit and, and he's great. Chris Archer going right next to me kind of hinted at him earlier. I like him he's too got some sneaky sneaky upside or second half adjustments we saw with him. He even flat out said when people asked what changed he said. Oh, I changed it up like I was pitching in Tampa Bay again. It's like, why do these guys change these things? Why? Why do you do that? So, so that was that was that was amazing. But
2: so uh, the thing with Archer, he started throwing like sinkers when he went to Pittsburgh because uh, that's kind of their their mo. Like we saw Garrett Cole when he was a Pirate work low in the zone, which you know if you saw him pitch and you look at the the heat maps over the last two years with the Astros, basically a ton of high four seamers from Cole. Archer should be pitching up in the zone with that four seamer and then we're, you know, and then the slider is his great pitch. Uh, I'll be shocked if he is not fully back to kind of the Tampa Bay mode right off the bat from Pittsburgh. So I I think Archer could be in for kind of a a vintage season, if you will. And then I do have to mention Aaron Savale, who I do think has a good Mm -hmm. chance to break out for Cleveland this year.
1: Yeah, he's definitely one, but mine's going to be one of the guys you did mention. He is kind of boring, but. I love Dancy Swanson. Yeah. Like you said you, you own him a lot. It's just hard to pass up. I, I, you, people might sense a trend in what I'm doing here. If you draft it a certain way, you're going to need stolen bases later. And I'm trying to point out, guys, that I, I like drafting guys that kind of – they don't have to be massive speed guys, but give me 10-plus from everybody. That adds up a lot by the time your draft's over. So I'm a big fan of that. Dancy Swanson can do that. You mentioned he got slowed down with injury last year. They do have a projected hit 7th, which stinks, but the, the improvements in his overall metrics are are really huge. Like you mentioned, um, the, the barrel rate jumped up to 10% last year from 4% the year before. Hard hit rate jumped up to 42%. Strikeout rate pretty much stayed the same. Walk rate went up just a little bit. But his overall quality of contact was great. Uh, the injuries got to him. And when he did hit towards the top of the order, he was much, much better. For now, hitting 7th, which does stink a little bit. But if he can move back down, like you said, if you missed out on the shortstop run or you need a middle infielder, this is a phenomenal pick. At pick 257 or 264, wherever you're looking, he's a he's a big boy selection at that point in time. No doubt. All right, round 23, Wade Davis, Dan, Danny Jansen, Mackenzie Gore, A.J. Pollock, uh, Yandy Diaz, D. Gordon, Emilio Pagan, Ryan Braun, Randall Gritchick, Brendan McKay, Buster Posey, Daniel Murphy, there's some sneaky goodness here. Um, I'm guessing Emilio, Emilio Pagan is not one of them. Uh, what do you like here?
2: Yeah, Pagan obviously traded from the Rays to the <laughs> Padres. He's, uh, if you drafted him if you drafted him early, you're, you're cutting him opening week, yep. I think, and just moving on from Pagan, even though he's a talented reliever. Just can't really carry, in all but the deepest of leagues, a, uh, a middle reliever on your roster. Um, this range isn't my very favorite, especially compared to the last couple uh, especially if you need power, though, here. I think Randall Gritchick is is the guy I would look at in the outfield. Not going to give you the best batting average in the world, but it does look like he should be more or less the everyday center fielder for Toronto. He does have a lot of power. I mean, we're talking 30-plus home run power down here, uh, down your pick 300. Um, I don't know if there's a, a, you know, a true breakout season for Gritchick coming, but I think he could almost get there kind of by default through plate appearances through hitting in the middle of that Toronto lineup, which I do think is not going to be improved. I think we'll see Grichik hitting, you know, probably fifth most days would be my expectation for him. Um, and with the legit power that he has, I could see a 30 home run and maybe approaching even a hundred RBI season. Uh going to hurt you in batting average at least a little bit, but yeah, Gritchick, my guy in this range.
1: Yeah. For once, we're going to, we're going to agree on this one. I'm going to at least for once on today's pod, I'm going Randall Gritchick as well. He's a guy I targeted another late, late power source. Similar to your CJ Cron talk, CJ's going to have a better average than than Gritchick. He's going to hurt you in average. So if you're going to take him, just keep that in mind. It will happen. But should have an everyday role, should be hitting in the middle, like fifth or sixth at worst in that Toronto lineup. And when you want to talk hard hit rates and barrel rates and everything, he has a stack. And his strikeout rate's gone down each of the last three seasons. He just doesn't get any love because he's just kind of stuck in Toronto and people forget about him. But 30-plus home runs time and time again, um, at worst 25-plus. He's going to be a very good producer in that lineup. So in the 23rd round to have a 30-plus home run upside guy, really, really like that. So if you want to go pocket aces like Toby does, you got uh, some power and speed later in the draft with some of these guys we've talked about. Round 24, we get uh, to Brandon Kinsler, Carter Teaboom, Starling Castro, Nick Solak, Dallas Keuchel, Joey Votto, Will Myers, Ross Stripling, Stephen Matz, Michael Kopeck, Travis Shaw, Gregory Polanco. This is an interesting list, is all I can say. Quite an interesting list. Uh, what stands out to you in this one?
2: Yeah, we're getting down into some uh, some high, rich, green. <laughs> a little gross here. <laughs> it is. Um, so the Dodgers rotation battle is still kind of up for grabs a little bit. If we knew Ross Stripling was going to get the job, and obviously we're going to get clarity on that, as we get closer to opening day, he would probably be the guy here. Again, he's not the most exciting guy in the world, but I do think, or if he got traded, I just think he can be a very high quality starting pitcher if the Dodgers give him a chance, or maybe that angels trade gets rekindled, whatever it may be. But Ross Stripling always been a guy I've been high on. It's just doesn't get uh, enough starts to you know keep him on a roster basically. Um, so getting that out of the way, the guy I will roll with as my pick is Nick Solak. Uh, currently only eligible at utility for the Rangers, but uh, it looks like he will break camp with the big league club. There's been some rumors that they're going to try him out in center field. I think Danny Jansen, not Danny Jansen, um, Danny, Danny Santana, Danny. still currently in there as the starting center fielder, but it looks like Solak could conceivably challenge him for that role. Um, and if he wins that, you know, if he gets an everyday playing time job, I I think he's got a lot of potential, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, kind of play all over the diamond. So I think Solak uh, could give you a, a pretty solid season here. Should get uh, outfield eligibility, and then I would guess one other infield eligibility throughout the season.
1: Yeah, I love Nick Solak. That's a phenomenal call a guy I've been drafting everywhere late. I love, love the eligibility there. I was kind of bummed when they said he'd be starting center field because I wanted the multi-positions, but it also locks him into the lineup. So I'm a big fan of that. Good power speed there. Uh, my guy, and it's still kind of hoping things plan out the way they're supposed to in Washington, is Carter Keboom. If you can get this guy in an everyday role, people forget he was once a top prospect in the system. They just remember that just rough, rough 11-game stint when he got a shot in the bigs. Uh, previously in the minors, you know, 290-plus average type guy. Really good uh 20-home run power upside. You know, could get you 10-plus steals. Playing in a really good Washington Nationals lineup. Even when everything was bad last year, he still had a 43.5% hard hit rate in those 11 games, which, again, small sample, I get it. But uh, when he put the ball in play, he put it in play well. So he's a guy I wouldn't mind going back to the well here. He's going to have um, currently only has shortstop eligibility. we will, will gain, gain third base as well, so something else to keep in mind. So at this point in the draft, it would be Carter Keboom, Nick Solak. I like that a ton. And another guy, Stephen Matz, isn't a pitcher I don't mind this late in the draft also.
2: I need to uh, do a little more research myself on Carter Kibum. Was he part of the Fabapalooza last year?
1: Yes, he was. And he was one of the ones that did not pan out, actually.
2: <laughs> I, I think I'm, like, biased against him because I remember not being interested and kind of laughing at everyone who, who, uh, who picked him and, you know, uh, <laughs> enjoying his struggles. Um, and so I'm, like, <laughs> weirdly biased against him where it's like I just – I didn't like him then, and now I think I don't like him now, but I, I think I need to dive back in there because it does look like the uh, the playing time should be there for him.
1: Yeah, the playing time is a lot, I think I'm lucky I missed on Fabapalooza because I was able to get guys like Nick Solak for cheap at the end of the year, and he was right. tremendous. So uh, there, there's something to be said about not blowing your your, your money out the gate. Yeah, no doubt. But, uh, let's call it around 25 now, uh, 289 to 300. Daniel Hudson deceased. Miles Mikolas. Ronaldo Lopez, Corey Dickerson, Rejano Nunez, Jose Peraza, Dylan Carlson, Nico Goodrum, Austin Riley, Matt McGill, Michael Pineda. There's about two guys I like here as upside guys. Who are you targeting?
2: Yeah, for me, it's going to be Dylan Carlson here. I've talked about him, uh, I believe, with you and also on other podcasts. Uh, I think he'll be the everyday uh, outfield left fielder most likely but really uh, I could see him even filling in at center uh, in a pinch for the Cardinals if if something happens to Harrison Bader if he can't hit whatever but I just think Jill, Dylan Carlson is uh, going to be a stalwart in the outfield for the Cardinals for years to come uh, power speed guy high draft pick has been really really good in the minor leagues they've been playing in a bunch already in spring training I think he hit second today I think he's at fifth and basically a full lineup for them so they're clearly pretty high on him, a switch hitter. So he's not going to be platooned if he's up and with the big club. I think he's got a good chance to break camp uh, in the opening day lineup, uh, kind of depending on, on how some other things go, you know, he's kind of in a little bit of a battle with Bader and, um, and Tyler O'Neal, uh Tommy Edmond in that mix, Dexter Fowler, I could see just not doing anything early on and Carlson could take his spot. I just think there's a lot of ways for Carlson to, uh, get to the major league club and, and make a big impact if he does. So, uh, Carlson, pretty easy call for me in this range.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one because this range is not pretty. So, I can't uh, really go off the board here. I, the other guy would have been Nico Goodrum for his multi position eligibility. Yeah, he's kind of more of like
2: a, a safety at bat filler, though, yeah. for me.
1: Exactly. Power speed, late draft, cool. all over the diamond. But Dylan Carlson is like that, let's dream of upside, like we talked about. Yeah, and before last season, he was just kind of this guy that that nobody had on their prospect list. You know, hit two forty, maybe ten homers, and then it just all came together. Hit two eighty one in AAA with twenty one homers, eighteen stolen bases. I mean, double A got it done in AAA as well. Just continued to improve. And um, prospect guys have nothing but great things to say about him. Like you said, he should beat out these guys ahead of him. If he doesn't, he'll get rather quickly. And he's not costing you the Joe Adell draft price either, which is nice. So I'm with you on Dylan Carlson. Yeah. I don't have much to add besides the, uh, the upside is huge.
2: Carlson. I, I do try to avoid this in general, but he is one guy I am willing to draft. Uh, even if they, you know, announce he's going to start in the minor leagues you know, as we get, you know, main event drafts that are you know done basically a week before the season. Mostly I would be willing to draft and hold him and, and hope that he comes up basically mid April. Uh, once I get that extra year of service time, uh, locked in so carlson i'm high enough on him to kind of speculate on him in, in that regard
1: yeah he shouldn't be down for too long no um round 26 domingo santana kurt suzuki Santana's going to keep going up by the way as yeah. high as 202 in the last 10 days since he signed so santana suzuki cueto roberto perez kevin gossman cesar hernandez dakota hudson tommy latilla seth lugo trent grisham ian happ and forrest whitley a little more upside in this range peter which ones stand out to you
2: Mm, yeah, some good options here. Uh for me, I think the if you're if you're looking for upside, it's between Domingo, Trent Grisham, and Ian Happ, three outfielders, mm-hmm. who I think all have a pretty good shot at basically everyday playing time. Looks like Happ might be the everyday center fielder for the Cubs. I guess maybe I would lean him as the upside guy. He's shown some uh some good power speed combo in the past, cut his strikeout rate last season. It's kind of been a a slow burn for him, right? He, like I you know, two years ago, this time, it looked like he was going to be an everyday player for the Cubs. Uh, the strikeouts kind of got to him. He had to spend a bunch of time in the minor leagues, but I think he might just be kind of a late bloomer at this point. Uh He is climbing a little bit in drafts, but still, you know, a minimum pick over the last uh, week or so of, of 250, not like you're paying a high price for him, even in there. So I'll go Ian Happ over Grisham and Domingo Santana, but I think both guys are, uh, are solid options as well if you're looking for upside in the outfield. And then if you need a safe play, uh, I do like Cesar Hernandez at mm-hmm. second base. I think he's going to hit either leadoff or second or maybe sixth for the Indians. But they really don't have any depth in the infield. I think he's going to play literally every day. Gives you kind of a little bit of everything uh, if you miss out on early second base. And I do like Cesar Hernandez.
1: Cesar Hernandez is a great play if you miss second base or a late-round middle infield. He's going to yeah. be so stable in the batting average runs – scored and everything. So I like that call a lot. Ian Hap, yes, the hard hit rate and the tools there are great. Just give him playing time, rock and roll. Uh I like Tommy Listella if you want to get really weird and try something there, but he's kind of in a platoon right now. So you gotta watch out there. I'll go Trent Grisham. I think yeah. they traded for this guy for a reason. They got rid of S Mark Manny goes out of the way now. He's still got a weird platoon situation on roster resource, but I think more often than not he's going to find playing time. And one thing I liked about him is you know in the past not a big power guy. Between all the like double A, Triple A, and the Bigs last year, he combined for 32 homers and stole 13 bases. Now I'm not projecting 32 homers at all, but give me 20. I'll take 20 at this point in the draft. Give me 20 to uh, 20 and 10, 25 and 15 type upside in that lineup. They haven't batted fifth, which might be sneaky for RBIs with the likes of uh, Fernando Tatis, Machado, Hosmer, and company in front of him. So he might be an RBI runs batted, you know, home run guy that runs scored, stolen base guy. At the same time, at this point in the draft, he, he couldn't offer you stuff in all these four categories. Bagging average has not been a strong point for him so far in his career, but uh, he could help you in all the like, counting stats. As a fifth outfielder on the Padres, I don't mind taking a gamble on uh, Trent Grisham at all. I like it. All right, let's go to round 27. Moving our way through here, we got Robinson Chirinos, Cole Hamels, Blake Trinan, Jose Quintana, Gerard Dyson, Tony Watson, Alex Reyes, Brett Gardner, Cole Calhoun, Josh Lindblom, Kevin Pillar, and Anthony Santander. Very eclectic group is the way I'm say this one. Uh, what do you like around 27?
2: Yeah, this group doesn't have a ton of upside for me. Um, I'm guessing you're going to maybe we'll make the case for Jared Dyson, which I totally get. Uh, and I will say we're recording this on February 25th, so we're still a full month out from the regular season. And my pick here will be Blake Trinan- it honestly, gets a tiny bit less appealing as a pick every day we get closer to opening day. And Kemi Jansen is not hurt, but <laughs> for today, uh, Blake Trinan is my pick. Uh, if we fast forward, you know, uh, 365 calendar days, one year ago, Blake Trinan was the first or second closer off the board. I was mm-hmm. driving the Blake Trinan bus, which ended in a fiery crash. Uh, a painful I think I picked him in the fifth round of my main event team Um, his stuff is just ridiculous he throws like a 98 mile per hour sinker with crazy movement a cutter a slider he's got a four seamer he just had no command last year whatsoever I think he was kind of dealing with and pitching through injury eventually lost his job to Liam Hendricks Um, but the Dodgers have enough faith in the bounce back to sign him to a ten million dollar deal, which is a you know a substantial deal for a relief pitcher coming off a very bad season. The stuff was still there last year, the command was just completely gone. Um, and if something were to happen to Kenley Jansen in the next month, which it could, you know, shit happens. Mm-hmm. I think Blake Trinan would be the closer there. And I do think he has literally closer one upside in that arm still. Uh so I'm trying to get him and like, you know, the, the last or second to last round, of a lot of my 12 team online championship teams. And uh, ultimately uh, I recognize I will probably just have to cut him, you know, before the season or week one, assuming Kenley makes it through. But if not, uh, you might have yourself a, you know, a fifth or sixth round pick on your hands for basically no cost whatsoever.
1: <laughs> I really enjoy the, the trying and call this year. Like I think Jansen's going to have his, his hay as well, but, Trinan's one of those guys that we know the upside's there. Uh, Eno Saris has documented his just overall command being the issue. The stuff's always been fine the last few years, so it's just harnessing that in. It wouldn't shock me. We've seen it with a lot of teams. I think even the Dodgers spread it out a little bit more last year, but bringing Trinan in, I wouldn't be shocked if he still gets 10-plus saves, even with Jansen doing his thing. Like yep. He could really be that guy that fills in, because Jansen's not going to go a lot of back-to-back days or definitely not three days in a row. Trying to could slide right up. The Dodgers are gonna win so many baseball games. Like so many baseball games yeah. that the saves are gonna be out there. So I wouldn't be shocked at all. If, like you could really it could be a headache, but you might keep him.
2: If if Tryon if he looks like and if he's pitching like the I mean, just go look at his 2018 numbers. They're just absurd. If he if, if he's back to that level, uh you're gonna keep him on your team anyway. You can kind of use him when mm-hmm. you know if you're in a daily league, you can you can use him all the time. If you're in a weekly league, you can use them when You know, you've got a few of your starters with bad matchups or whatever. Um, And so you – and then you're obviously kind of speculating on a a Jansen injury or whatever. So, yeah, he's a a guy to keep an eye on for sure.
1: Definitely. So, yeah, you mentioned Gerard Dyson. I I do like him. I I understand the skepticism. It's strictly you're playing for upside, obviously, and playing for 30 steals and praying the rest of it kind of doesn't bury you. I I usually don't like drafting rabbits. At this point in the draft – I can see it if we know as the season gets closer, hitting towards the top of the order, you can take advantage of it. Yes, I'm there. Uh, I think Cole Calhoun's an interesting play, but I know he really benefited from the bouncy ball last year. Josh Lindblom's a, a pitcher I don't mind gambling on this late. I mentioned Anthony Santander. But my guy is another boring veteran, and he's for the Yankees, and it's Brett Gardner. I know it's not pretty at all, but all this guy does is continue to get blasted because he's old. He's played over 140 games every year since 2013. He has um, 16 or more home runs in four of those six years, 21 or more in two of the last three years. He had 28 home runs last year with 10 stolen bases. He has over 10 steals every year since 2013. Like he's continues to be productive. He hits 250 to 260 for the most part. He's going to help you in all four categories. And In in reality, 260 is not even that bad in this era of baseball. So he's like a four and a half category contributor in round 27. Um, the outfield situation in New York. We already mentioned Judges banged up. Talkman's fun and all. No offense to Alex Chamberlain, but is he really the guy to play every day? They don't want Stanton playing in the outfield a lot. You just got to think about all the situations there in New York. They brought him back, gave him some good money because he's a veteran and he's done so much for them. He's going to be productive. It's its not flashy. It's kind of like the, the Justin Turner idea, but he has legit 20-plus, 20 25-plus home run upside with, you know, last year 10 stone bases was his least. He had 16-plus every year since 2013. Get you back to 15 steals. This is a, a pick I like a lot at this point in the draft,
2: especially if you get bonus points for banging the dugout with your bat. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and you're looking good there.
1: Yeah, he is, a, he is quite the um, I don't know the he's Yankees he's Twins, a true Yankee. Yankee. yes. I was gonna say tool, but uh, <laughs> true, true Yankee <laughs> could work there, but uh, yes, I trust me because I am not a Yankees fan, pretty sure you're not either. But no. uh, yeah, I know you're a Twins fan, but I don't even, I can't even pull for him. But when it comes to fantasy, not too shabby. Yeah, I can get it. Let's go to round 28 now. Kevin Kiermaier, Willie Adamas, Teheron, Kyle Gibson, Sean Anderson, Mike Yastrzemski, Nate Pearson, Dylan Batances, Chris Bassett, Brandon Nemo, Jason Castro, Jesus Aguilar. Depends on what gambles you want to take here, Peter, but there's a few of them.
2: Yeah, the gamble I'll be taking will be with my guy, Kyle Gibson. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me down a little bit last year. Started off the year pretty strong. So he actually missed a lot of spring training with. oh, Man, I get all his uh, his ailments mixed up, uh, but anyway, he, it was some sort of uh, like he had, stomach like issue flu or
1: something. Yeah, he had like, yeah, like bowel syndrome or something.
2: And then he missed uh, time, I think, in August or September, with a different stomach issue, but like similar. I think maybe related, like diver. I, I don't even. I'm gonna mess up the uh, pronunciation. I'm um, but in between that time, he had a stretch where he was, he was looking really good. If you look at kind of the components that make up a good pitcher, he rates really highly. Gets ahead of hitters, uh, misses a ton of bats. His his changeup and his slider, in particular, both rate out as uh, as fantastic pitches that can get a ton of swing and miss, a ton of chases, high swing rates on those pitches. So it's not just that you know hitters can't hit the pitch when it's offered, but uh, they also just offer at it a lot. I think that can be something that goes overlooked. So I think there's a lot there with Kyle Gibson. If he can just get away from throwing his fastball so, so often, which are not good pitches. They don't miss bats. They get hit hard. I'm I'm hopeful with the, uh, the chain, like the, the twins do have a smart at this point uh, coaching staff. So I'm, a, you know, it gives me a little bit of hesitation that they weren't able to unlock it, but I could still see Texas doing it. Obviously made a big difference for guys like Mike Miner and Lance Lynn. Uh, And I just see a lot of potential for Kyle Gibson. Uh, Also bonus, I think he probably will get his first start of the year in that opening week against the Seattle Mariners in Seattle, which is obviously a nice place to pitch. So a good, good start should be for Kyle Gibson. And I still see a lot of potential for, for Gibson. So he's going to be on, he is and will be on most of my teams this year.
1: Yeah, that's, a uh, Kyle Gibson's always been a guy I got no problem flocking to. So I, I like his, his potential on pitching in Texas could be really, really nice. Uh, for me, I'm going to take the gamble on a bounce back with host uh, Jesus Aguilar hitting fifth sure. in the, the Miami lineup, big time power potential, 30 plus home run power potential. If he figures it out again. You know, you look at his hit tool on Statcast, it's dangerous. You know, he dropped his barrel rate to 7.5%, hard hit rate dropped to 37%. All these things are, are dreadful, but, uh, Going into Miami could be very, very nice for uh, Jesus Aguilar. uh, Batting fifth, like I said, everyday playing time, not having to worry about fighting for your job like he was doing there for a while. And if you don't like him, you drop him. But massive power potential. He could put up like CJ Crone type numbers uh, a few rounds later. So that's something I don't mind at all. I would take a gamble on Jesus Aguilar. Let's go to round 29, Diego Castillo. Tiasco Hernandez, Yoshitomo Suzuki, Suzuko, sorry. Yeah, this is not my job in that part. Uh, James McCann, David Fletcher, Zach Plisak, Alex Wood, Franchi Cordero, Luis Urias, Kyle Seeger, Ryan Helsey, and Pablo Lopez. Peter, we are definitely entering the end of the draft.
2: Yes, we are. I'll say that uh, I have Kyle Seeger on like almost all of my teams as kind of a 29th, 30th round pick. Just because he's going to play every day, he's going to hit third yeah. or fourth, and that's got a lineup. Uh, once he kind of got going in the second half, if you look back like at his, like, you know, like 2013 to 2016 numbers, you know, it's like 25 to 30 home runs a year, like a 260 average. I basically think he's still that same guy, which, you know, at some point you're kind of just looking for a bats um, you know, maybe you drop in for a guy with more upside at some point, but I don't mind starting the season with him on my team. So that's Kyle Seeger. He's, he's not my pick for upside here because I don't really think there's much upside there to be had, frankly. Um, for upside, I'm interested to hear your opinion on this guy uh, who I'm going to make you pronounce his name again Yoshitomo Sasugo, uh, <laughs> Japanese import. Uh, we saw him hit a home run in spring training yesterday or a couple mm-hmm. days ago. And you look at some of the, the highlights from the Japanese league, man, he seems to have some crazy power. We don't have any idea what the playing time is going to look like for him, right? The the, the Rays are kind of the team that does the most mixing and matching and platooning and all that stuff. But I, I, from what I understand, he can hit lefties pretty well. And so I think he could potentially stay in the lineup almost every day. Um, and I I don't know. I just, I, it's a little bit of just gambling on the unknown with Susugo who. I do think is a is a talented dude. So I don't really know what to expect from him. I I don't feel confident in my projection for him. I'm almost hesitant to even make one. But uh gambling on the upside, at least for me, is kind of tempting there.
1: I think it's a great gamble at this point in the draft because what's the worst you do? Drop him. Um yeah, right. we saw we we saw how well he like if you just look at the Japanese numbers, those don't always translate, of course. But if you if you look at what we saw there it's a lot to like when it comes to him. He's got power. He hits for a good average. He can play outfield. Like I saw third base, DH for them, which is going to be good because, like you said, they mix and match all over. the uh, The Apo Taco he hit, yeah, you know, was Monday, was really, really good. Really so, impressive. Yeah. yeah, I got. I have no problem with that. I mean, I'll be honest. That,
2: that 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 like one swing kind yeah. of is why I'm calling him out here.
1: But see, that's fine at this point in the draft. You got to take some gambles and plant your right. flags on certain guys. So. I don't like you mentioned him. I, I was looking at Alex Wood. I've never been an Alex Wood guy. Right. He's probably not to yep. throw a ton of innings, but seeing his velocity up, it you know in the twenty ninth round, why not? Like really, why not give it a chance? If maybe you get fifteen good starts from Alex Wood, like really, just roll with that. Uh, Franchi Cordero. Somehow he becomes more of an everyday player in San Diego, which I don't think he will be, but maybe he does. That's a heck of a nice gamble in this point of the draft, also. I understand your Kyle Seager everyday playing time. That's fine. Uh, James McCann's a guy that's going to DH a lot too, so keep an eye on him if you miss out on catcher. But uh, I'll go to a guy, and I like Diego Castillo as a sneaky Tampa Bay closer. Just going to throw yep. that out there too. But my guy, and it's going to be weird because we just talked – we talked a lot of Blue Jays the first podcast. We talked Randall Grichik, But we did say we'd stack these guys in DFS because they all can just drop bombs. But Teoscar Hernandez falls into this mix again. Uh, back-to-back 20-plus home run seasons uh he's almost he's almost Randall Gritchick the average is not going to be great but the power and the other categories are good he's going to still get five to ten bases which is outstanding Um, he's going to be DHing and playing the outfield he should have some pretty regular playing time his his hard hit rates his uh, barrel rates are all great he strikes out a ton which is terrifying 33% last year 31 the year before but the walk rates also increased each of the last three seasons almost up to 10% last year which is going to help him with stealing bases, just getting on that way, because the average, again, not going to be good. But uh, that overall power production late, I, I don't mind it at all. If you ever just can, you know, it's one of those things, the reason I like to gamble on these power guys for upside is I know the homers are there. If just for one year, they hit 260. It's like we always said with Joey Gallo, this, like the numbers could be through the roof. Just give me one year where Teoscar Oscar fin- figures it out. That'd be great. At the same time, I like your Susugo calls. There, there, there's some interesting gambles depending on what your roster construction needs at this point in the draft.
2: Yeah, I like the Teoscar call. Like you mentioned, very similar player to Randall Gritchick, at least in terms of the you know batting average power upside. The difference between the two, I think, is that uh, Teoscar can't really play center field, whereas Gritchick can play center field or either corner. So I, I feel better about his playing time. But both guys have kind of unquestionable raw power. And like you mentioned, um, There's players, multiple players every year that kind of figure out the plate discipline thing. They figure out they need to be more selective. They change their approach. Some players get, you know, not, not less selective, they get more aggressive. And that's the difference for them. But you can't fake the power that a guy like Teoscar Hernandez has, you know, the guy can hit at 470 feet. There's just not very many players in baseball who can, who can do that on a regular basis. So if he is able to figure out some things in terms of his approach, the breakout potential is there. So I like that call. Most
1: definitely. And one thing I guess we can figure out from a lot of my picks and yours as well is I'm usually not a guy that likes to gamble on like a bunch of late guys for my starting roster, but outfield's ridiculously deep. If your roster construction is fine elsewhere, it's a lot of, it's more gambling. So maybe not deep in quality of like consistent guys, but if you want to take a few risks, outfield's your place. There's a ton of it um let's go to round 30 and wrap this bad boy up we start with samarja hey, we, we
2: can take anywhere anyone we want here man it's around 30
1: oh there you go let I means you got someone up your sleeve so uh, <laughs> let
2: let loose who you got i don't i, I wish i had uh, i wish i had someone like super deep or something but i was just thinking because i was kind of scrolling through what talking about that's me. true you could take anybody yeah Oscar. yeah round 30 of your uh of your 12 team nfbc your 12 team 30 teamers at this point you're just uh You're taking a lottery ticket, and there are a lot of guys to choose from. Who should I choose? I'll go with this Indians reliever, James Karinchak. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy, Bubba, but his strikeout rate in the minor leagues is ridiculous. Like, truly, truly ridiculous. I, I don't even have his page pulled up here. I'll, I'll, I'll get it up here. Yeah, I only pulled learned up.
1: about him by doing the relievers for the black book, and I had to look at, like, potential closers and waiting, and this guy is filthy.
2: Yeah, so 24-year-old uh, 6'3", 230 guy for the Indians. Uh, in terms of, like, scouting grade, he's got literally an 80-grade fastball, which you never see 55 on the slider. The command and control can can come and go, but Last year, Uh, he pitched at uh, three levels. He didn't actually throw that many innings, but uh, rookie AA and AAA ball uh, in all three stints, he had a K per nine over 21. (laughs) Jesus. You just, you don't ever even see those numbers. It was only 17 innings at AAA, but literally 22 strikeouts per nine. Uh, over 17 innings, a high walk rate, like the ERA wasn't even that good. Um, and then he, he only pitched five innings for the for the Indians, but he did, did have a really good success over that very, very short, very, very small sample size. I've seen some things out of Indians camp about their hitters. He basically has uh, – the velocity is really good, but he gets like really good extension, and then it's also got a, a super high spin rate, works up in the zone. And like the the even the veteran Indians hitters were just like – they've never seen a fastball like this. Like they just couldn't hit it. Um, so there's a lot of, I mean, it's a super raw ability. Like the, the walks are kind of out of control for this guy. We don't know what kind of role he's going to have. Um, but right now he is projected to be the kind of the seventh, eighth guy for the Indians. If anything were to happen to Brad hand, who did slip a little bit around down the stretch, I think Karichnik would certainly be a, you know, kind of a logical um, option for the closer role and, I mean, again, last pick in the draft, we're dreaming on upside. What's the upside for this guy? Uh, it's 30-plus it's saves and a, a strikeout rate that, you know, leads, leads the baseball, something like that. So I'll take a, I'll take a gamble on this kind of uh, freak pitcher here in the 30th round. <clears throat>
1: yep, no, ra- no reason to not do something like that with your last pick. Uh, mine's going to be a crazy one as well. He's technically like the 477th guy on the list. He's been picked once since the 14th. I picked three fifty-five. He's projected to hit seventh for the Mariners. He's lefty Jake Fraley. Outfielder. Oh,
2: like
1: this guy, again, another deep outfielder. Shocker, but this guy can run and run and run. He had 33 steals back in single A. He's from the uh, the Rays and part of one of their many deals. But last year in three stops, he had 22 stolen bases, which is outstanding, and 19 home runs. He hits for a very good average. He's already, I've already seen him, you know, hit and run a bit in, my, in the uh, spring training. So far this season, there's no reason the Mariners shouldn't play him. Their their roster is just garbage for the most part. So, you know, you got um, another guy that's interesting, Shed Long, if you want to go there. But uh, Kyle Lewis, Jake Fraley, and Malik Smith are the projected outfielders. He might platoon with Austin Nola or Tim Lopes. I think he's going to play way more. Plus, he's on the strong side of the platoon as a lefty. He should move up in the order. I'd imagine it's just a very young, inexperienced team where there's going to be a lot of streaks going on. And if you want a guy with your last pick that legit has 25 to 30, still so like we talked to Rod Dyson, I'd rather gamble on Jake Fraley, to be completely honest, because I know that he actually has power where Dyson doesn't. And, he, and Fraley also hits for average. If he just gets going, it's going to be hard to sit him on the bench. And he's a guy that drafted in your 30th round could legit give you top 15 round upside if he gets to play every day. So I, I'm a big fan of Jake Fraley. And I'm actually shocked he's only been drafted once in the last, like, almost two weeks.
2: This guy's been growing on me. I have to admit, I, I had, like, he had not really been on my radar at all uh, until a couple of weeks ago. I went on the, the Turn 2 podcast. Uh, a couple of your friends I know, Matt Williams and MLB Moving Averages. We had a, a, a listener question um, about Jake Fraley, which kind of caused me to dig into him. And, man, I mean, the the number, like, he was he was just horrendous when he got called up to... The Mariners in September, 41 plate appearances. Uh, his WRC plus is negative five, which is mm-hmm. like hard to do. But very tough. In, in the minor leagues, I mean, he only played 110 games. I think he got, uh, what, 400 and, uh, 430 plate appearances. So not, not a huge sample there. But in 430 plate appearances in the minor leagues, he hit 19 home runs and stole 22 bases at double-A AA and triple-A, he's just 24 years old. He doesn't really have a roadblock uh, for the Mariners, right? Like Malik Smith, is, Kyle Lewis, like this guy is the the one that you would think they would give a chance to if he's playing well. Like could be platoon, but like you said, strong side. And if he's hitting, you would think they would let him maybe learn against lefties because just looking at his profile, like you mentioned, he seems like the guy who has the most long-term potential potential for the Mariners. So I like this call a lot. Again, like, I think there's a chance he gets 600-plus plate appearances and hits at the top of the lineup for the Mariners all year long, steals you 20-plus bases. Man, the upside is there. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid in your 30th round to to just bypass 150 players and take this guy as your last pick. I
1: I honestly, if you feel comfortable with your roster, I'd jump a couple more rounds earlier because I think this name's going to start going out there more and more. And um, it's going to be one of those. If he you hits think ring, he's going to
2: move up quickly. I think. Yeah,
1: you think you're being cute waiting on him for round 30 and someone's going to snipe
2: you. I just yep. know
1: it's going to happen. So That's if true. you really want him, cause I, I, I'm with you. I think the upside is legit. So yeah, we'll I see. think but,
2: just, just in general, once you get down to rounds, like I would say even like rounds 26, 27 through 30 mm-hmm. at that point, I don't really care about ADP at all. I'm literally just taking whoever is the guy I want most it was my next pick.
1: <laughs> and it goes back to the churning and burning strategy. Like, you yep. you know, you, you're you going for upside. If it doesn't work, just move on. Very simple exactly. stuff here. Uh, we had one listener question from last week. And so I want to get to it since I totally forgot about it once we finished recording last week. And uh, it's from at man chunk, chunk man. Um, this is this is for you. because It'll be interesting to get your perspective on this. How are you approaching 2020 from a power perspective? Are you anticipating a different baseball?
2: Yeah, um, I am, I think. Uh, but again, we don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, I don't know if the Major League Baseball teams or managers or players themselves know. I'm guessing not. Uh, they've kind of denied that they had baseball, like Major League Baseball denies that they have control over the production of the baseballs. And there's just like a there's like a range, like a, an acceptable range for like the, the scenes to be seems like the seams of the baseball were what were different last year, like they were lower. Uh, and so it, it caused less drag on the baseball. So the ball flew further from what I understand, that's what caused kind of the power spike. Um, and we just don't know what kind of baseballs we'll see in, in, uh, 2020, but I do think the most likely outcome is that we won't see, you know, the most juiced baseballs we've ever seen, which was last year. So I do think we'll see, um, more of a moderate baseball, like we saw in 2017 or 2018, um, and I do think you'll see uh, slightly fewer home runs. I don't think we're going to see a big reduction. And you know, some players you can look up stuff like average fly ball distance. You can look up stuff like uh, barrel to home run rate. And if you get players that are you know like a, a Jeff McNeil, I think he hit 23 home runs on just 21 barrels. Um, I think players like that could potentially regress in terms of home runs.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I saw one reported, Dan, if you want to go back to the Athletic, a beat reporter was asking pitchers, I forget for what team now, what their thoughts were on the baseball after using them for a couple of weeks. And they said it feels more like the 2018 baseball. Like they have no idea. There's nothing for certain yet. But they're feeling like a 2018 baseball. i, I...
2: Yeah, just completely also an anecdotal thing, just watching a lot of spring baseball early on. It does feel like I have seen some home run type swings from, you know, hitters that I know have power that have not been going over the fence. Like I kind of expected them to, again, we're just all speculating here. So, so that's all it is. But um, based on what I've seen over these last three or four days, that that would kind of reinforce that opinion.
1: Yeah. So wait and see, but uh, Peter, what are your final thoughts? Any final thoughts on this whole uh, upside d- discussion we've had over the last couple of weeks? Because it'd be fun to see a team like this and see how it actually played out.
2: Yeah, uh, I've got some some online championships drafts coming up. So maybe I'll try to uh, to pull, you know, one of these drafts off where I take, you know, 15 or 20 of my guys off this list. I'll throw in some of your favorite guys and uh, and see where it ends up. I don't think that's the best strategy in the world, I think you got to draft some safety, especially early on. But, again, the further you go down the draft, I think the more you want to kind of swing for the fences with your picks.
1: Yeah, honestly, like for the listeners that have listened to the first part of this and now this part, I would take a lot more of these guys than the first guys. That's just my two cents because I, I like getting my my, my stability early yep. and gamble towards the end here. Have some fun with it. Absolutely. But, uh, definite upside and I'm looking forward to seeing what we discuss one of these days down the road. It's been a pleasure uh, chatting it up with you. But before we leave, plug away what you got going on. You mentioned, I don't know if it's a, anything's out there, but you mentioned a lot of stuff you're working on or what else you got going on right now.
2: Yeah, kind of a, a lot of stuff in the works at the moment. So stay tuned. I think the best way to kind of keep track of what I'm doing, just follow me on Twitter at DraftCheat. Cheat. hoping to do uh, some some more podcasts, probably uh, on my own platform, obviously doing some collaboration with, uh, with you, Bubba, and, and other people too. Uh, some Twitch stuff. So there'll be a lot coming out from me over the next couple of weeks for sure. So stay tuned for that.
1: Looking forward to it. I'll be uh, waiting to see what it is. And we'll definitely have you on frequently because I've had, I've had fun uh, chatting with you, picking your brain, getting a good smart uh, opinion on a bunch of players. So it's always a good thing to do besides just the standard, you know, positional things that everybody else does. So it's good uh, to make a little bit, but everybody go check them out on Twitter at draft sheet. Uh, very awesome follow for sports fantasy and everything else in between. But uh, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 251, Dreaming of Upside, part two. Catch you guys later.
3: This is Sean Green from the Sports Gambling Podcast. And in case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, the Sports Gambling Podcast, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans, plus guys like me who just love betting on sports. Over the past few years, Blue Wire's privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding source that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. I, I can vouch for Sports Gambling Podcast and our Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Our partnership with Blue Wire has really been vital to us growing. Um, Kevin and his team do tremendous work over there, so Blue Wire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show and many like them continue to grow. If you'd like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to WeFunder dot com slash blue wire.